Hallelujah. Well, let's get into the word this morning. Father, we're so thankful for um, your presence in our midst. We're thankful uh, for the Holy Spirit who joins us with you and who reveals your true heart to us. Holy Father, we're thankful because we are your people. We belong to you and you belong to us. We're in you and you're in us. So Lord, as we spend a few minutes in the word of God today, we ask that your spirit will light our candles and enlighten our darkness. We ask, oh God, that you will reveal Jesus to us in a real and a personal way. Lord, we just give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. But this service, I just want to focus on a topic uh, I've titled, What is that in your hand? What is that in your hand? I've preached this before, but I really felt that the Lord wanted to uh, highlight some new things here. Uh, and I feel it's going to be relevant to those who are here this morning. What is that in your hand? I uh, say to your neighbor, what is that in your hand? You, you, you know, when God created humanity, uh, in Genesis chapter 1 verse, uh, verse 26, uh, or even if you go straight to verse 28, after God created um, Adam and Eve or created humanity, it says that then God blessed them. He blessed them. Uh, and you know, the word blessed, you know, in the Greek there are two words for blessed. You know, but this word speaks about speaking well over something, declaring something good. A good word was spoken over their lives. A good word. Say to your neighbor, a good word has been spoken over you. Yeah. Say it again. A good word has been spoken over you. Because you know when God speaks, his words are creative. And you and I were in Adam and Eve when he spoke these words. He said, God bless them. He spoke good words over them. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Be fruitful and multiply. You know, earlier on, the very first thing God said when he created light, he said, let there be light. And in the original Hebrew, it reads like this, light be. Because when God speaks, he's creating something. He's not giving advice. He's not saying, wouldn't it be a good idea if there was life at light at this time? He said, light be and light was. Because his words are creative. So when God spoke over you, he said, you be fruitful. You multiply. You replenish the earth. You subdue it. You have dominion. So the one who loves you with an everlasting love, in that word, he provided all you needed in order to fulfill his destiny for your life in the earth. Hallelujah. In fact, you don't need anything else. You didn't need anything else after those words were declared because you were declared and created to be fruitful. Hallelujah. The seed of your fruitfulness is already on the inside of you. The seed of your fruitfulness. But you know, in reality, this word ought to strike your spirit with more uh, validity and more impact than somebody standing and calling your name out of a crowd. You need to allow that word to, to filter into your heart and, and sit there. Hearing in your spirit the divine word speaking over your life, you are fruitful. You multiply. You replenish the earth. You subdue it and you have dominion. And that's what we're going to explore this morning. You know, because we live in a time where rather than looking at what we have, 
we tend to be more adept at documenting what we don't have. And every time God came to talk to somebody and revealed himself to somebody and uncovered to them his destiny for their lives, he had to confront their limitations that they had imposed upon themselves. And I believe that that is something that the Lord wants to do today. Because sitting before me are great people who God has endued with great things. But what seems to be preeminent in your minds is what you don't have. You know, the Lord came to a young man called Jeremiah and he said, Jeremiah, I've called you. And Jeremiah said, I'm too young. And the Lord said, don't say you are too young because where you send you is where you will go. And I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. So I believe that in this message today, God is going to confront some of those limitations and he's going to destroy them that you may walk in the liberty to which you have been called. But we begin by looking at the fact that he has called you fruitful. Whenever you get up in the morning, the first thing you need to say is that God has called me fruitful. Hallelujah. He has empowered me with all I need to fulfill his destiny for my life. Because ladies and gentlemen, you are not here by accident. You are here by divine appointment. I know that has been said so many times that it has become a cliche, but you are here by divine appointment. The Lord knows you by name. He knows where you live. He has ordained, he ordained the time of your birth. He ordained the location. He ordained the parents that would birth you on planet earth. He ordained your path and your destiny. And he has given you all you need. To fulfill his plan for your life. Let us look at Exodus chapter 4. In Exodus chapter 3 we read about a man called Moses. Who was 80 years old. Who was in the backside of the desert. Who at age 40. Um, was seemingly at the prime of his life. He was in the very courts of Pharaoh. Egypt at the time was the greatest um, economy on planet earth at the time. And he was actually raised in the house of Pharaoh. He was, uh, Acts chapter 7 said he was a man of great strength. He was a man of great wisdom. He was highly regarded. He was also a Hebrew. And he felt God had given him a, a call to liberate his people from, the, from Egyptian bondage. And he tried to do it. And he failed. So at the height of his life, he was known as a failure because after he tried and failed, he, he escaped Egypt barely with his life. And from being the, you know, the next or the, most, the person most likely to become Pharaoh, he became you know, the person most likely to be killed on sight kind of thing. You know. And um, for 40 years, he was on the, at the backside of the desert. He was working for his father-in-law, which as you know, is probably not the most enviable job for most people. I'm qualifying that, for most people. So he was working for his father-in-law. He was 80 years old. And, um, and the Lord came to Moses and said to Moses, I have heard the cry of my people uh, in Egypt, and I'm going to send you to go and deliver them. He didn't have an army. He didn't have a good reputation. He didn't have good contacts. But God said, this is what I've called you to do. And Moses began by asking questions. He said, God, who am I 
that you will send me. I, I have no pedigree. I have no, I mean, who am I? And the Lord said, I'll be with you. And then he, he said to the Lord, he said, uh, but Lord, uh, who are you that, you know, how do I introduce you to the people? And he said, uh, just tell them that I am, that I am the one who is, who was, and is to come. And then in chapter 4, which is where we begin reading, in chapter 4, it says, Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they do not believe me, verse 1, or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And, and Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, your God, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. If you go right down to verse 17, he says, and you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. You shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. In the beginning, God said, you be fruitful, you multiply, you replenish the earth, you subdue it. So at the time of your birth, you came with the seeds in your hand that are required, that, that, that you need in order to Obey the divine mandate upon your life. You already, you've already been born with those seeds on the inside of you. When God came to Moses, Moses says, I don't have what it takes. And God said, what is that that you are holding right there? Moses looked at it and he thought, well, this is not very significant. This is what everybody has. This is a rod. And God said, I am going to use that thing in your hand and I'm going to use it to do great signs that will cause you to liberate my people from bondage. And that will cause you to enter into my purpose for your life. So we see that that rod that Moses had been using to lead sheep around for 40 years was the same thing if which when used properly would be used to subdue kingdoms and bring liberty to the oppressed. For 40 years, Moses was walking around with a tool that properly used could release great power. I dare say that you are walking around with something in your heart, with when released, will release great power in the earth and cause you to fulfill God's destiny for your life. God said to Moses, you shall take this rod in your hand and with it you shall do great signs. We see when we follow the life of Moses that when he went to Egypt, he cast the rod down and it became a serpent. And it destroyed the serpents of the other magicians that Pharaoh had. He touched the Nile with the rod and it became, it turned into blood. He stretched the rod over the streams of Egypt and out of the streams came floods he struck the dust with his rod and lice came out with the same rod that he had been using for 40 years he put that rod in the hands of God and it became the rod of God in the hands of Moses 
The rod in your hand will become the rod of God as you place it in the hand of Almighty God. Let's fast forward to um, Exodus 17. After Moses had um, liberated the people of God um, out of Egypt and they were on their way to the promised land. And um, this is an account of one of the battles um, they were confronted with. In Exodus 17 verse 8, it says, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under, under him. And he sat on it, and Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side, and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And if you read the rest of the story, you see that they overcame Amalek. Because Moses stood on this mountain and lifted up his rod. Hallelujah. Isn't it interesting that this is the same man uh, to whom God said, what is in your hand? And he said, a rod. And he, he had undervalued the rod, but he had learned to put his trust in God and the power that God had given him. God didn't say he should go up the mountain. He said to um, Aaron and her, he said, I will go up to the mountain. I will take the rod of God in my hand. So we see that he had begun to grow in confidence regarding what God had given him. Hallelujah. With what God has given you through the grace and the power of God, you will overcome. Because what God has given you is his grace. That gift, that grace is his grace. It is where the spirit of God is at work within your life. Hallelujah. That gift he has given you is where the spirit of God is at work within your life. And when you recognize it and you begin to use it, you will find that it has the very solution to what you seek. Look at um, Galatians. Look at Galatians chapter 6 verse 4. When we use the rod of God in our hands, the potency of Almighty God is revealed in our lives. In Galatians 6 verse 4, it says, But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. Look at the Message Bible translation of that. The Message Bible says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself and don't compare yourself with others. Make a careful exploration of who you are. That's another way of saying, examine properly the rod that is in your hand. Examine properly the rod that is in your hand. It says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself 
with others. You know, I say to people, don't be too quick to define who you are. Because for a lot of us, the definition we have of ourselves is based on our current experience. And we're not open to new things because we have quickly defined who we are. Hallelujah. Don't let people put you into a box. Don't let your education to date put you in a box. Because, uh, you know, I remember a few years ago, I had a dream and it was like I was in this house. It was a lovely house. And I was enjoying being in this house. And then on one, on one particular day, I opened a door in the house that I had not opened before. And as I opened that door and walked through it, it was like I was into a huge, another huge building. It was like I'd been living in the anteroom. You know, an anteroom. Uh, but this anteroom was very big and I was enjoying the anteroom. But when I opened this door and walked in, all of a sudden, there was a new building there. I will say to you by the Holy Spirit that there are new doors in your house that you need to open. There are new doors in your house that the Lord is leading you to. Hallelujah. But some of us are reluctant to turn the knob because we have become too accustomed with who we have been defined to be. And that's why the Bible says make a careful exploration. It is very difficult to explore if you don't make move, if you don't move anywhere. All right, if you don't try things out, it, it, it is difficult to explore. I remember, uh, I remember when I was in school, I said I'll never be a pastor. Yeah, that's what's funny about that. In fact, my friends all knew me that Carlton is the person that will never be a pastor. Because I used to preach the word and teach the word. And, you know, I thought, you know, I, I had this vision of myself, you know, private jet flying around the world, preaching the gospel. Sorry, it's my vision, okay? And I, I, and I saw myself just going around preaching, teaching the word, etc. And I said, you know, I'll never be a pastor. Because being a pastor is boring, I thought. You know, pastors, you know, people come and go. You are like this building that just stays in a place, you know. And everyone just comes through you kind of thing. That was the vision I had. And um, so everyone knew that oh, Carlton will never be a pastor. So I went to Bible school. And uh, Anita and I went to Bible school. And this was in the States. And we're praying um, after Bible school, we you know, seek God and pray about you know, what he would have us do. Thank God we had enough sense to ask God what he will have us do, right? Because we belong to him, do we not? Yeah, it's not just pastors that belong to him. We all belong to him. He has the secret to our lives, you know. So uh, we're seeking God and praying. And one day I was kneeling down praying. You, you know, you will seek God and you will find him when you search for him with all your heart. Yeah. Uh, some of you are in a place right now where you don't really know what to do. Well, you need to seek him. When you seek him, you will find him. I'll give you a secret. Take a week off. Switch off your phone. Don't eat. Just drink water. Spend time in the word and pray. And the Lord will reveal himself to you. Just do it for a week. Yeah? Your life is worth enough to do that, is it not? You will save yourself meandering around a mountain for 40 years. Yeah? He said, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Just do that. Yeah? It's not the fact that you're not eating. Because that's where it was focused on. Bim. <laughs> yeah? I can, I can see it. You know, it's like... <laughs> yeah? 
I can, I can see it. It's just coming up against me. Not it. Ha. Huh? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Just do that. Just for a week. Seven days. Switch off your phone though. Yeah. Switch off your phone. Disconnect. Switch off your phone and go away. Just a week. Just get into the word. And the Lord will reveal himself to you. Hallelujah. Anyway. So we're seeking God. And one day I was just kneeling down praying. And something dropped into my spirit. You say, what, do you, what does that mean? Well, you would know after you've done it for a week. It was like a coin dropped. It was like a coin dropped, fell inside me, and I looked at this coin, and it was like a parcel, and it opened up, and I saw pastor. It was like someone was giving you a gift. And I said, pastor, what's that? <laughs> he said, pastor. I was like, really? And the more I prayed, the bigger it became. The bigger it became. And with it came a desire to do it. Are you with me? Now, the same coin can drop and it'll be like the next president of Nigeria. The same coin can drop and it's like, this is the industry I've given you. Do you understand? God is not religious. I hope you know God is not religious. All right? He's the father of lights. He has called you with a destiny. That destiny is as real as every other destiny because you're not here by accident. Yeah? That's why the Bible says, make a careful exploration. That means that you are diving somewhere. People don't explore on the surface, do they? It's deep dive. Proverbs 25 says that counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. A man of understanding will, will, will search it out. Yeah? Um, so it says make a careful exploration. And the reason why this is important is because Proverbs 12:11 says that he who works his land will, find abundant, will have abundant food. But he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. God wants you to be fruitful. But fruitfulness is only in the place of you walking your land. Look at Proverbs 12, 11. The Amplified Version says, He who tills his land will have plenty of bread. But he who follows worthless things lacks common sense and good judgment. Common sense and good judgment. The person who lacks common sense and good judgment is the person that sees what is working for somebody else and says, oh, I am going to do that one. Do you understand? You need to find your own land. Now, there is nothing wrong in following good patterns. But make sure, it's a little bit like how I used to read autobiographies. Do you read autobiographies? You know, people who have made it big and you want to follow in their footsteps. Reading autobiographies can be the most confusing thing you have ever done. Because you read Warren Buffett's autobiography, he says that you should, you should buy and hold, right? Okay? You read George Soros' autobiography, he says, trade, sell, sell, sell. You read somebody else's autobiography, they, they, they tell you stuff that is contradictory to each other. And if you keep following autobiography, you will be confused. You need to follow those who are walking in the line that you recognize that you are called to walk in. Does that make sense? That's why the Bible says, he who tills his own land. You need to explore who you are. And then you can get mentors in the direction you are called to walk in. You're not meant to walk in everybody else's footsteps. It says, he who tills his land will have abundant food. But if you follow worthless things... If you, um, if, you, if you follow worthless things, you lack 
common sense and good judgment. You lack common sense and good judgment. Hallelujah. It is important to see where God is at work in your life. What God has called you to do is no big secret. Philippians 2.13 says, It is God who is at work within us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He is constantly at work in you. Constantly at work in you, the Amplified says. It says, It is him who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire, both to will and to work for his good pleasure, satisfaction and delight yeah align yourself with what is working on the inside of you expose yourself to different things seize see what what um what stares you on the inside and receive that as an indication of the direction you are meant to go look at second kings chapter four hallelujah you're getting something from this this morning look at second kings chapter four Verse 1, it says, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband is dead and you know that your servant feared the Lord and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Now notice the word of the Lord didn't come to Elisha. He assumed something was in the house. You, you know, you can make a fair assumption or a good assumption that something is in your hand. Are you with me? This woman said, I have nothing, but. She had something, but in her mind, it was nothing. Yeah? Elisha said, what? you know, this woman was in a situation. She was in dire need. She was in a situation where her children were about to be sold to creditors because her husband died uh, in debt. So the only thing that a creditor could take, the only asset she had, was her children who were going to be sold into slavery. And she came to the man of God seeking help. And she probably thought he was going to speak a miracle into her life or loose a breakthrough into her life like we often desire. But this man of God was very wise. He said, what can I do for you? What do you have? Say to your neighbor, what do you have? You see, there's a rod in your house. There's a rod in your hand. What do you have? The woman said, I have nothing but. I have nothing but a jar of oil. And then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere. From all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour into all the vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him, shut the door behind her sons, and who brought the vessels to her. And she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said, this is not another, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. You and your sons live on the rest. So you see that this woman was the one that determined the level of fruitfulness. Did she not? Because the man of God said, go and 
borrow vessels. Don't borrow a few vessels. He didn't tell her how many vessels to borrow. She was the one that determined how many vessels she would borrow. And the multiplication continued to occur until the vessels were full. So we see that the miracle occurred in the place of activity. Did you get that? The miracle occurred in the place of what? Activity. She was doing something, was she not? And the level of her activity was determined by the level of her expectation. Her expectation was what set the number of vessels she would go borrow. Are you with me? Yeah? And the miracle of, of multiplication occurred to the level of her expectation. You see, the rod in your hand is able to do great things. It can impact your family. It can impact your community. It can impact your nation. It can impact your world. Hallelujah. Because remember that this seed is a seed of God. The seed we have been given has been given to us by Almighty God. And therefore, it means that it is divine in its origin. You see, your seed, the fruitfulness of a seed, it is not, um, it is not indicated or determined by, uh, by the receiver, but by the giver. What am I saying? This seed has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God. So the potential of the seed is not determined by you. It's determined by God. It has the power of God within it. It can do everything that God can do. It can impact the world. That I mean, because God is creator. He's the maker of all things. But you are the one that limits the productivity of that seed. This woman determined the productivity of that seed through the number of vessels that she made available to it. Hallelujah. I don't believe, for instance, that, um, you know, that, that entrepreneurs are, are born. I don't believe that. I believe that entrepreneurs are made. Because before, the, um, before industrialization, everybody had their own business, did they not? Yeah, everybody had their own business. Everyone was mentoring their kids. Everyone had something they were doing. All right, it was when industrialization came place that because of uh, specialization, you know, everyone had a, a particular. Everyone became a clog in a wheel. Yeah, um, so I believe that the potential to do great things is in every single one of us. Now, I'm not saying that everyone should have their own business. I think for, I mean, I feel that everyone can, we can operate within a corporate structure, but I believe that everyone has the capacity to, to create wealth in a way that is not time dependent. I believe that you can get to a, a level of proficiency where you can begin to enjoy the profits of the industry that you are in. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's not too deep, is it? Yeah. This woman was the one that determined the productivity of that seed. She moved from having nothing to having nothing but to now having more than enough. And that will be the same for you. When you recognize that there are things that God has given you. And I can understand why it might, it can, it might look like nothing because it looks like nothing now. But when you pay attention to the fact that this is what God has given me. And you do what, you'll, and what I'll share in a minute with it. You will see that the productivity of that seed will be released. One more example and then we'll wrap this up. 
Look at 1 Kings. Look at another example in 1 Kings. It shows us another aspect of this equation. 1 Kings 17. So like God asked Moses and Elisha asked this woman, I'll ask you, what is that in your hand? And you know that question bears a, a response. Moses was able to say, I have a rod. The woman was able to say, I have nothing but a jar of oil. At least she identified what she had. It is important that you identify what you have. What is that in your hand? What is that in your hand? In 1 Kings 17, I find this to be an incredible story. Look at verse, um, verse 8. It says, And the word of the Lord came to him, that's Elijah, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. I like this story because, um, you know, Israel was going through three years of, um, um, of famine. I was going to say of fasting a second ago. Of famine um, that had been released because of their disobedience by, by Elijah. And Elijah had been fed by a brook, Kerith. Um, ravens fed him morning and evening. And, you know, he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up. And the Lord said, oh, don't worry. I've got a widow in Zarephath, which was outside Israel. I have commanded her to feed you. So Elijah, like a good man of God, goes to this widow. Verse 10 says, he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please give me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please give me a muscle of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar and see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first, and bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah. Now notice this is not just this is not a cute Bible story. This actually happened. Okay. This, there was actually a, a widow in Zarephath. Now what I find incredible about this story is that I don't believe that Elijah performed a miracle here. I believe that all that happened was, like in the case of Elisha, um, Elijah just opened this widow's eyes to what she already had in her house. Remember that the Lord said to Elijah, I have commanded a widow to provide for you. Now this widow, God saw this widow as a source of provision to others. A source of provision to others. 
Meanwhile, this widow saw herself as not having enough. And in fact, what she saw concerning her future was that she was going to make a little out of the little she had. It was not going to be enough. And she and her son were going to eat the little they had and they were going to die. Her vision was limited by her bad appraisal of what she had in her hand. Meanwhile, God saw her as a source of provision for others. God sees you as a source of provision for others. I said God sees you as a source of provision for others. God has raised you up in this time. He has raised you up in this city and at this time to be a solution to people's problems around you. The vision that God has for your life is not just for you and your family. It is for you to be a joy in your family, a joy in your community, and a joy in your nation. God said to Elijah, don't worry, you're not going to die of poverty. I have commanded a widow to feed you. Meanwhile, the widow did not appraise herself the way God appraised her. I dare say that there are people sitting before me today that are meant to feed this nation, but they are not appraising themselves correctly. The widow said, see. She said, see, see, see. I have a little. See, this little is not enough for me. See, I'm going to eat that little and see, I'm going to die at the end of it. We need to start seeing ourselves the way the Lord sees us. We need to start believing what, God's, what God says about us. We need to start speaking what God says about us. We need to start paying attention to what is on the inside of us. We need to start recognizing that that little that we see that's on the inside of us has been given to us by God. It has the very seed of God on the inside of it. We need to start on the basis of that, start carrying out activities that show that we are expecting great things. Hallelujah. Carrying out activities that show that we are expecting great things. We need to start planning for greatness. We need to start educating ourselves. Like we, we really believe that we are destined for greatness. You know, there are some people that will not, will not further their education because they're thinking, ah, in, I mean, of what benefit is it going to be ultimately? Because I can't really go very far. Are you with me? They are limiting themselves by their current experience. Meanwhile, they are discounting the divine nature that is in the very seed that they have on the inside of them. You know, the Bible says that God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and the weak things to put to shame the things that are mighty and the base things, the things that, uh, the base things of the world and the things that are despised, God has chosen to bring to naught the things that are. So even if in your own eyes you are nothing, God uses nothings to do great things. God uses nothings to do great things. God said to Samuel, when you were small in your own eyes, did I not make you king over Israel? It's okay to be small in your own eyes if it leads you to God and causes you to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. But your smallness in your own eyes will not limit the greatness that God has, on the, has for you. Hallelujah. He said, when you were small in your eyes, I, will, I made you king over all of Israel. Hallelujah. So that small seed on the inside of you has the power of God on the inside of it. And, and if you will just take that seed and if you will plant it, if you will take that seed and if you will invest it, if you will nourish that seed with the education it needs, 
if you nourish that seed with the right expectation, if you will nourish that seed with the right partnerships, if you will nourish that seed with hope and with faith, the power of that seed will be released and the life of God on that seed will grow and it will sprout and will feed you and your, and will, and your nation will celebrate you and they will celebrate God in you because they see the fruitfulness of God in your life. He said to him, what is that in your hand? Elijah said to the woman, make me a cake first. That thing you have will multiply. It is important to realize that the gift that God has given you is not your gift. It is his gift. The gift doesn't attest to any characteristic of the receiver, but the giver. Hallelujah. And that's why the Bible says in 1 Peter 4.10, that as each of you has received a gift minister it to one another employ it for one another as good beneficiaries or good trustees of God's many-sided grace faithful stewards of the extremely diverse powers and gifts granted to Christians by unmerited favor that's first Peter 4:10, the amplified version it says each of you has received divine grace each of you have received divine gifting so serve that divine gift into one another as good trustees of God's many-sided grace. Hallelujah. Many-sided grace. Don't put God in a box. God made the box itself. Hallelujah. You know, I was saying to some guys, can't remember where I was saying this, but, you know, we always define ourselves by others around us. And it's a common human trait where, you know, if you say, um, well, I'm called to be a pastor, I'll use that example. And then naturally you look at other pastors around and you see what they're doing. And you just, you just assume that that is what you are meant to do. So you look at them and then you define yourself by that paradigm. Yeah, that is putting God in a box. God is creative. Hallelujah. And he doesn't make any two of us exactly the same. So don't, 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 don't pigeonhole yourself. Uh, don't pigeonhole yourself. Don't, don't stereotype yourself. Yeah? Tear up the box. Hallelujah. Amen. Tear up the box. And I think it's in this century that, you know, that, that people do that. Because in, in, in previous centuries, I mean, when you read the lives of people like Michelangelo and these guys, they did all kinds of different things. Yeah? They were not just artists. They were philosophers. They were scientists. They were all these different things. And and it created a beautiful picture in their life. The expression of their life was beautiful. Are you with me? Yeah? The expression of your life is meant to be beautiful because God is a creative God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So let this fill you with hope. Let it fill you with faith. Let it fill you with expectation. With expectation. The Spirit of God is at work on the inside of you. Let me look at a few more verses and I'll bring this to an end. Look at Exodus 35. Exodus 35 verse 30 real quick. Yeah. It says, And Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding, in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship, to design artistic works, to work in gold 
and in silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of artistic workmanship. And he has put in the heart, in his heart, the ability to teach in him and Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Judah, he has filled them with skill to do all manner of work of the engraver and the designer and the tapestry maker. In blue, purple, and scarlet thread, in fine linen, and of the weaver, those who do every work and those who design artistic works. Hallelujah. Now, now, who did he say that the Lord had filled them with? He had filled them with who? The spirit of who? He had filled them with the spirit of God. Isn't that amazing? You know, when we talk about the spirit of God, a lot of times we think in terms of prophecy. Yeah? We think in terms of laying on of hands. We think in terms of healings. But the spirit of God operates in accounting. The spirit of God operates in inventions, in technology. The spirit of God operates in the creative arts. God called these men by name. He said, I need these guys to work in my house because I have filled them with my spirit in the creative arts. The rod in your hand is where the spirit of God is at work within you. Hallelujah. The spirit of God has imparted certain divine graces in you. And that divine grace, he's going to use it to minister to his body and he's going to use it to minister to the world. You know, you and I are part of the body of Christ. And you know, as a member of a physical body, your body has, you know, body properties and it has external properties. Yeah, your hand that you used to shake people's hands is the same hand you used to wash your body. Is that not the, not, not the case? So your body takes care of itself, but it also takes care of others. As a child of God who has the spirit of God and who has gifts and grace on the inside of you, that gift and grace must be used to serve his body as you also use it as, an, as the light, uh, light of the world and salt of the earth to impact the world. Yeah. So I believe that every Christian should have a function where they are serving his body directly, but also they are operating outside the body to minister to the world. You and I are ministers in the workplace. We are ministers in our nation. We're extending the kingdom of God in the earth. But also, you must be of benefit to the local body. Hallelujah. It's like you have a hand that you, you never wash yourself, but all you're doing is shaking people's hands. Yeah, after a while, you're going to start stinking, aren't you? Yeah, so it is important that you take your place in the body of Christ. It is important that you take your place in your local church. It, it is not a thing of commendation, for you to be celebrated outside, but we don't know who you are here. The first place that your impact should be felt should be in the local body. All right? You want to take care of your body first. And then you want to go out into the world as, as, as the light of the world and salt of the earth and impact the nations. God called Bazalel by name. He said, I have put my spirit in them. I have given them the ability to handle things creatively. And I want to employ them in the building of my house. Because it is my spirit that is at work on the inside of them. God has great things working on the inside of you. 
So this year, let us work with faith. Let us work with hope and expectation. Let us expand our horizons. Let us seek God. Let God be truly a partner in your business. Seek him. Pray concerning your business. Pray concerning... You know, I'm not special because I'm a pastor. Because the Lord has called you to do great things in the earth. The seed that he has put in your hand is a divine seed. Do you understand? And, you know, even though it may look small to you, just take that seed. You know, like the five loaves and two fish. Take that seed. Lift it up to God and bless it. Say, Father, I recognize that this is what you have given me. Bless it. Honor it. And then submit to him. Submit to his instruction. And see what the Lord will do with your life. Hallelujah. Well, have you got something from the word this morning? Come on, let's bless the name of Jesus. Let's bless the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So I, I want to encourage you to let, let your heart be filled with hope. Let it be filled with faith. You know, Jesus said something about little faith. You know, so many times in scripture we see Jesus saying, Oh, you have little faith. Oh, you have little faith. Oh, you have little faith. Now, whenever he said that, it wasn't because their faith was literally small. Because in another place he had said, even if you have, a, have faith, like a mustard seed, you can do great things. But little faith is faith that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't stand the test of time. Where you are embarking in a particular direction and then you back off after a while because it's too hard. Yeah, don't have little faith. There is something that is still destined for you. Keep pushing. Keep trusting God. Don't give up hope. The little faith is like the man who put his seed on stony ground. When affliction arose for the words, for the works, um, the, the word's sake, they became offended. Yeah, don't become offended. Keep, keep moving forward. Amen. There is something on the other side. Don't give up hope. Don't have little faith. Amen. He said, don't cast away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. You have need of patience. That when you have done the will of God, you will reap that promise. The reward is still there for you to reap. It's not time to give up on your life. Not time to give up on your business. Not time to give up on your healing. Not time to give up on your marriage. Not time to give up on a future that is hopeful. You know, sometimes people can smile at you and they've given up hope. Yeah? But in your heart, let your heart be filled with hope. Romans 15, 13 says that our God is a God of hope. Hallelujah. He's a God of hope. He will fill you with joy and peace in believing. He will cause you to abound in hope. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a time to be hopeful. Because the seeds of God are on the inside of us. And as we submit to his process. And as we continue to walk by faith. We will be fruitful. And we will multiply. Because that is what he spoke over our lives in the beginning. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Just glorify God this morning. This is not about the person to your left or your right. This is you and God. Just glorify him this morning. Just thank him for your life. Oh, maturiana kali gebreno subrano finis gibala roche. There is so much more to come. There's so much more to come. There's so much more to come. 
There's so much more to come. You know, it's not just about us. It's, the, it's about the people that he has sent to us. Hallelujah. He said to Elijah, I have commanded the widow to feed you there. It's not just about you and your family. I, I hear people saying, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. There's so much more. Because people are crying out to the Lord, asking for deliverance. And the Lord responds by sending his people. By opening the doors of grace to his people. Because indeed, uh, the wealth of the wicked is being, is being moved into the hands of the righteous. But it's going to happen through wisdom, knowledge, and joy. He's giving his people wisdom. He's opening doors of grace and opportunity. And the wealth of the wicked is being moved into the hands of the righteous. Uh, people are being moved into place, places of influence. Uh, into places of influence. Doors are opening. Doors are opening. Doors are opening. Doors are opening. It's not just about you and your family. It is about those that have been crying out for righteousness in the land. It is about those that have been crying out for justice in the land. It is about those that have been crying out for the hand of God to be revealed. The hand of God is going to be revealed through his people. And God is moving his people into positions of influence. He's moving his people into positions of power. He's moving his people into, into places where they will sit at the table and they will determine what happens to the lives of men. He's moving you into that place. So be filled with courage. Be filled with boldness. Be filled with faith. Recognize that this is the spirit of God that is at work within your life. He's opening the doors for his kingdom. There's so much more to come. There's so much more to come. Don't rely on yourself. Don't have faith in your faith. Have faith in God. Hallelujah. Have faith in God. When you come to the end of yourself, turn to God and put your faith in Him. Say, God, I don't have faith in myself anymore, but I put my faith in you. Hallelujah. He'll lift you up. He'll hold you up. He'll strengthen you with might by His Spirit in the inner man. He will lift you up where you can't walk on your own anymore. Father, I commit your people into your hands. I commit the business leaders I commit the employees. I commit oh, even those that are seeking work at this time. Holy Father, I ask, Spirit of grace, that you come upon every life and every heart. Do this great work in their hearts, in their hearts, oh God. Open their eyes to see. Open their eyes to see. Open their eyes to see themselves as you see them. Show them their place of destiny, oh God. Oh, show them their place of destiny, oh God. Like you did with Elijah and the woman of Zarephath. Like you did through Elisha and the woman, oh God, uh, that was in, in debt. Uh, like you did to Jeremiah. Let eyes pop open uh, in the name of Jesus. Let veils be stripped from every eye. Uh, let scales fall. Uh, let us truly see ourselves the way you see us, oh God. Uh, Lord, we turn again to you. We turn to you. We turn to you. You are the one that defines us. Our economy doesn't define us. Our friends do not define us. Our families do not define us. It is you that defines us, oh God. We turn to you once again for definition. We will not be satisfied with what men are satisfied with. Because we lift up our eyes to the hills. Our help comes from beyond the hills. Our help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You define us. You give us vision. You give us your vision. Spirit of the living God, invade every heart and every life. In Jesus' name we pray.